Hello and welcome to Wear Gaming Weekly for the week of July 1st, 2019. My name is Nick, and across the world from me in Kentucky is my brother Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. For your information, Wear Gaming Weekly posts every Wednesday on YouTube.com and on podcast services. Uh, I said every Wednesday. I really just mean every week. At some point during the week, we'll get yeah. up. <laughs> You can find you can find more about us at wearegaming.com, and in the coming weeks we will be streaming games again on twitch.tv slash wearegaming underscore. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can write in to weekly at wearegaming.com, and when you can tweet to us at wearegaming underscore. Uh, so before, but before we get started, let's just check in with each other. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing well. We're, uh, new, new environments. I have new environments. We got- well, you have new environments. <laughs> I have I have a lot more room at the yeah. table that no one can see right now. Yeah, I was going to make a point to say, so thing obviously in the past, we do video and audio recordings for the podcast, but we've been having some trouble figuring out how to do the Skype thing, and we almost figured it out, but then there was a delay, and we've been wasting so much time on it. We're just like, screw it. We're just going to do it. So uh, this will be audio. Hopefully, maybe the next one will be audio and visual, but uh, we'll just see. And this will be simpler to edit anyway. Um, it is currently 1 o'clock specific yeah. Pacific time. It is 4 o'clock Eastern time. <laughs> and I am right now in a, a little cute apartment in Glendale, California, uh, with my friend Kat, who let me stay with her. And then next week, I'm actually moving to a new place next week. Um, so... I'll be kind of bouncing around. It's been kind of interesting being here. Uh, I haven't, uh, I've been just kind of relaxing for the most part. I haven't played any video games. I've been watching a lot of TV. Got to go see the new Spider-Man movie on the Sony Pictures Entertainment lot, which was awesome. Um, yeah, fancy. Yeah. I mean, because that movie doesn't even come out until the second. Yeah, I know. It, right? it was, yeah, it was a private. Second or third. Mm-hmm. It was a private screening. Um, and it was a lot of families and friends of friends who've worked on the show. Not a whole lot of big wigs. There's not none of the actors and stuff were there. But there was it was still really cool to see. I was in a room that they do a lot, the theater that they recorded or they showed the movie in. They also use for sound recording for features. And they told us that uh, the guy who was kind of our chaperone, he told us that just a few days before we got there, Quentin Tarantino was in there recording. Uh, some audio for his latest movie that's about to come out. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, um, and it's definitely different than Kentucky. It's sunny most days. Uh, the L.A. smog is real, um, but it's not like I don't. I didn't really quite know what I expected. I did, you know, South Park. You know, this big gray fog just falling everywhere, and sometimes it's like that. Usually, it's not so dark. It's just kind of, you know, it's there. But it's like currently like yeah. 85 degrees and hot in here. It's, so it has been nasty over here in Kentucky. Like hot or rainy or hot and humid and gross. So um, everyone I've been I've hang out, hung out with has been really sweet, and really nice, and so it's been it's been a pretty gentle move. The road trip was was smooth for the most part. Um, so. But yeah, uh, but why don't we go ahead and get in to the who, what, and where? We, uh, since we've taken a few weeks off, uh, we have, you know, the l- latest stuff you can find on YouTube and on podcast services right now is our uh, recaps on what happened on E3. 
but we haven't really been keeping up with it um, to see like the fallout or, or you know the uh, you know the postmortem of E3 and what everyone's saying about it. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, but we're really just going to try to keep current. Uh, so yeah. uh, with this first, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, and the, you know, with the last you know, after E3, people have pr- pretty much quieted down as far as big announcements. I assume as we move into July. Mm-hmm. Uh, more things will come up. I'm sure we'll get a state of play. I, th- I think we'll get a state of play before the end of July. Yeah, that, for something. Well, I mean, uh, uh, well, yeah, we'll 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 extrapolate some of this information as we go because there is a little bit about E3 coming up uh, on this on the docket. So, but first, uh, we wanted to discuss uh, some businessy things. Uh, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony contest Trump administration trade tariffs. This comes from John Ryan at IGN. Uh, Earlier last week, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft all petitioned the U.S. government to reconsider their stance on tariffs placed on goods imported from China to the U.S. The trio of video game and console developers issued a joint statement responding responding to the U.S. Trade Representative's request for public comments regarding the implementation of said tariffs saying, quote, we respectfully request that the administration remove HTSUS subheading 9404.50.00 covering video game consoles from the final list of tariffs and thus refrain from applying tariffs on these products. The tariff is being proposed by the Trump administration as part of wider economics of the wider economic standoff between the United States and China and would include a 25% increase on video game consoles, controllers, arcade machines, and even board games. The trio of console manufacturers explain in their letter that while we appreciate the administration's efforts to protect U.S. intellectual property and preserve U.S. high-tech leadership, the disproportionate harm caused by these tariffs to U.S. consumers and businesses will undermine, not advance, these goals. The companies claimed that the increased tariffs would not only mean higher costs for their audiences, but that the increase could potentially affect not just the console manufacturers themselves, but the 65,000-odd game developers in the United States. Reduced, quote, reduced video game console sales unquestionably will lead to reduced sales of games, which is highly likely to have a deleterious, new word, uh, effect on small and medium-sized businesses that make these games, and on the workers whom they employ. Of course, the big question is what sort of effect these tariffs may have on U.S. consumers. The letter claims that a price increase of 25% will likely put a new video game console out of reach for many American families who we we expect to be in the market for a console this holiday season. For those purchases that do go forward despite tariffs, consumers would pay $840 million more than they otherwise would have. Even after accounting for new tariff revenue, the result is a net $350 million loss for the U.S. economy for each year that the tariff remains in effect with the burden carried by U.S. consumers. So that was a lot of words about some things that I don't understand, but when they name money or when they you know, list dollar amounts, that's what you know speaks to me the most. Uh, what what is your uh, what is your takeaway from this from the from the tariffs from you know from the whole thing? Well, the tariffs are a big deal. You know, uh, China is known for making knockoffs of uh, of various products across the in- industries. You know, knockoff like name brand things mm-hmm. to be sold within their country and elsewhere. And so, uh, the this tariff is to is and kind of in response to that, that 
and cracking down on how China does business. Right. Um, and this specifically, we heard a little while ago uh, that this could be a problem. I think we even talked about I it. I believe we did, um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> will disproportionately affect, you know, game consoles and uh, the gaming industry because all the consoles are made in China. And um, presumably in the next year and a half, two of the big three are going to have new consoles. And it's possible Nintendo will have a new SKU yeah. for their Switch. So um, it makes sense that they would not want that to happen. And if, like, like they're saying, if they have to increase the price because they got to pay 25% more taxes, then they're going to have to increase the price to consumers. And that'll mean less consumers are going to be buying these products. Right. I do like, you know, uh, there's a quote at the top that says, while we appreciate the administration's efforts to protect U.S. IP and preserve U.S. high tech leadership. And then it goes on to say it. So it's like they acknowledge the importance of what this is trying to do. Um, but there's just a lot of consequences. And I believe I, I read somewhere, um, not it may not have been recently um but i think it was like i think it was nintendo that uh said that they were changing they might be shutting down their manufacturing companies in china and moving them to maybe like south korea or somewhere like that so they can get out of this Um, yeah nintendo i saw a report uh soon uh just a couple weeks ago that they had moved um production of a it also came around the rumors of the next switch consoles. Yeah. Um, that those, the production of those consoles have already been moved from China to, um, another area in Southeast Asia. So like the Philippines or something. Yeah. Thailand. <clears throat> so they're, uh, they're already making moves and I'm sure if this doesn't change that, uh, Sony and Microsoft will make those moves as well. And I, 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 uh, but but moving those things uh, is not easy. Moving whole warehouses, right, and plans, uh, and and also jobs and stuff like that. I uh, right. What what I'm kind of curious about, or maybe concerned about, is that I'm not sure that this particular market matters enough to the administration and to the people who make those decisions to actually make a change about it. Now, it's not the only, obviously, it's not the only, um, you know, market that's going to be affected by this. I think everything that, you know, we pay for in, in certain respects will, you know, will have this issue. Uh, but this, you know, obviously hits home for us as, you know, regular console consumers. And then if, you know, if you think about how much the consoles are already going to be, you know, in the $400, $500 range, and then how much those taxes are going to be on top of that, that's just going to make it, you know, unreasonable, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and sure, you know, they're really good at, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, this is really going to affect the consumers, which it will, but it's also, like, it's also, like, they don't want to have to spend this money either. Uh, right. I mean, they, they typically take a loss on new consoles anyway, and the way they're describing these new consoles, they sound very expensive and there's no way they're going to sell a $600 console, even if it's actually, you know, presumably somewhat worth the $600. Right. Right. Um, so they're already going to be taking a cut. And if they have there, there's going to be a limit to how much cut they can take before it's not worth it. Right. So we'll see, we will see a $550 price point or $575 price point with these tariffs and that that'll just 
knock off anybody trying to upgrade. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, I mean, based off what I was just kind of saying, do you think there's any chance that this is going to change? I think change? there's a chance. Um, I think uh, the U.S. and China will probably come to some sort of agreement before really this has a chance to cause too many problems. Right. Um, yeah, I, I hope it does. Um, it, it, this is this goes into a territory that again I'm not super familiar with, so it's hard to say like uh, what the overall benefits of this action will do. I know it's trying to threaten China to, you know, change some of their business policies, but how much is that really gonna, like, you know, is something like this is what is what he's doing mm-hmm. gonna gonna be the 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 catalyst for their change or if they're just going to be like okay sucks yeah i, I honestly it, to go into the more like less video game and more uh political side of it um i think these will uh this will have too big of an effect on the economy uh in general because of just how much we do business with china that it'll start hurting the, the econ- hurting the economy and that Trump will probably have to backpedal a little bit yeah. because he doesn't want to tank the economy and going into an election year. Right. Exactly. So. So, but there's that uh, something to you know keep your eyes on as we head into a new console generation and see. It'd be re- if it doesn't change, I'm really interested slash kind of worried to see how much it really tanks. I mean, the people who are going to buy it kind of like us if we have the money are probably going to get it regardless but um, yeah but um, it, and i i can envision a, a a situation where they actually do give the uh video game manufacturers a uh a pass here yeah well we'll see um but more collaboration <laughs> with playstation and xbox not really but go ahead uh this is uh for an from GameSpot, uh, Eddie McCook. McCook? I Cooch. keep saying McCook. McCook. Um, <laughs> E3 is better with Sony and PlayStation there. Uh, Xbox's Phil Spencer says. Um, obviously, Sony didn't go to E3, and that was the big talking point. Apparently, Sony was trending during on Twitter during E3, and they weren't even there. This was a hot topic of conversation, yeah. including from Phil Spencer. While it was not the only company to set this year's out, Activision also sat out. Uh, there was no absence at E3 2019 more significant than that of Sony. With no PlayStation conference or show floor booth, it was it was a much different sort of show. Many would argue it was a worse one without them there. And among those saying as much is Xbox boss Phil Spencer, who says E3 is just not the same without Sony and Activision, and he wants them to return in the future. Appearing on the GameSpot sister site, Giant Bomb's live stream at E3, Spencer spoke about the ongoing relevance of E3, and, and he suggested that the show's profile is hurt by Sony and Activision not being there. I wish Sony was here, Spencer said. E3 is not as good when they're not here. Uh, Spencer said about Sony and Activision dropping out of the big annual, the big annual show. Uh, E3 remains relevant and important. Relevant? <laughs> E3 remains relevant and important to the gaming world, Spencer said. It's a time in the year when the whole world is watching gaming, and it's very important today when the industry is coming under criticism and judgment. Uh, one recent 
threat, Spencer says, was the World Health Organization's designation of gaming disorder as a recognized disease. He also said um, E3 is an important time of year to show the world that gaming is not just kids in a basement. And without juggernauts like Sony and Activision, E3 could take a hit in terms of prominence. Uh, Spencer is on the board of directors with the ESA, uh, the Entertainment Software Association, that runs E3 every year. So he seemingly has a vested interest in the seeing the show continue and flourish. Um, other board members include Strauss Zelnick, the CEO of Grand Theft Auto parent company Take-Two, and Bethesda owner Zenimax CEO Ro- uh, Robert Altman. E3 2020 dates have already been confirmed, reaffirming that this year's show will, will not be the last. Uh, but where they go, things go from there, as companies increasingly opt to host their own dedicated events, remains to be seen. Um, and this just reiterates what Sony said as far as not being uh, not coming to the show because I, I wanted to innovate, think differently, and experiment with new ways to delight gamers. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that was the big question before, like, is E3, and we talked about it much during E3 week, um, was like, was it a smart decision for Sony to not be there? And I think with what you just said before reading the article about they were trending, it was like, you know, they announced it early enough to where you could forget about it. And then when E3 came back up, it's like, you know, how is this going to go? Without Sony, you know, who's taking the spot, who's, you know, and, you know, the thing that we said early on is like, this is, you know, Microsoft's time to shine. And then to hear him say, you know, it just, it just wasn't as good without Sony and Activision. Uh, You know, I think, I think they're right. The article about saying, you know, part of it, it might be because he's on the board of ESA and wants it to flourish. But I think it's always, I think that conversation that we always have, like who won E3 and like, what are we going to expect out of the big three? You know, it was like, well, we have Microsoft there and Nintendo, but they're not really competitors. And I mean, if anything, they're joining up more than anything else. So it, it definitely made E3 lax. But I will say this, like we said during the E3, that if Sony was there, we would probably be judging them as harshly as we judge Microsoft. So... It you know it's kind of like right. they did the best thing they could by not being there, um, and hopefully they are ne- there next year. You know they they said this year that they're trying something new. You know they want to take a different approach, but I I suspect we'll be seeing them there again. I agree. I mean, I think Phil Spencer's looking at it. I mean, like many of us look at it. Well, it was it was disappointing that Sony wasn't there because it it just makes the show a little less. Full, uh, full, less special, and when you, uh, you know, the, he's right about one thing. Like you know, E three is the time when CBS, ABC, all the major news outlets are actually like having a, uh, you know, a focusing on it. Yeah, where they're talking about, oh, here's what the gaming industry is doing, and most of the other times of the year, we're we're off in our own little corner. Yeah. So, with Sony not there, it might look like gaming the gaming industry is kind of on a lull or it's mm-hmm. kind of uh, stagnating and so from that perspective having sony there and th- that would make make it, everybody realize it's this is not just a frivolous market right it's we represent and sony being <clears throat> you know who sony is it's i mean it's the same thing as microsoft you know these are huge companies that are taking 
big portions of their time and their money to invest in this industry. So, right. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's a point of uh, professionalism. But it's also important to point out that Microsoft wasn't at E3. Yeah. They they were at their own location for the I just conference feel like that's, and their I showing. Mean, it's not for us. For for us, it's not a big deal. But for the guys at the show, I was listening to the podcast Beyond Guys, and uh, there was another. Maybe it was GameSpot. They were talking about how the West Hall was like just empty because it's usually Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Microsoft is off doing its own thing, and Sony wasn't there. So it was just Nintendo and like Oculus and Geico, uh, uh, Geico Gaming or something. Odd. There's some kind of weird gaming booth. Yeah. It like, like it was just very empty. And like for the fir- apparently uh, there were like uh, like s- shops or something selling stuff, hmm. which is which, which was weird is what they were saying. So something that doesn't normally happen. Yeah. And so so for uh, people there covering the event they would notice it being a lighter yeah event like where's this where's that you know yeah um but you know oh that was loud sorry but um the you know playstation was like you said still present in a way and they kept uploading all the video all the announcements on their own youtube so like they they were watching and they knew what was happening um, and you know, like what this, you know, what this says is like, what does that mean for, you know, right now, two out of the four games that have been being, you know, uh, touted by PlayStation have been, have finally been released or, or have a release date. So we have days gone that just yeah. came out and then, you know, um, yeah. death, stranding death stranding this November. So last of us two. Well, yeah, so right now the question marks are still Last of Us 2 and uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima. So um, they still have stuff to talk about, but at this point, like, they don't really need to show anything. Um, yeah. So I am I am still very interested to see what their first part, what their uh, year one lineup is going to be in 2021 um, or 2020, yeah. 2021. Um, like what brand new IP or at least is it Horizon? Horizon came out what twenty seventeen. I think maybe by twenty twenty one, February twenty twenty one, we could get Horizon two. Um, yeah, I, I got a question for okay. you. Uh, I was talking to uh, David, one of David's friends, and he was. We were talking about uh, PS five, and um, he thinks that they'll re release God of War. Uh, for PS5. Like, you can get the PS5, like, remastered version on for of God of War. And I said, I think it'll be a patch. Hmm. I, yeah. I think it'll be just like a PS4 Pro patch for PS5. That's kind of what I was thinking. The first thing that occurred to me was that, you know, if they're as serious as back, backwards compatibility as they seem to be, and PS the PS4 games that you own will be playable on there. I mean, maybe there's going to be an option for PS5 owners who haven't had, who haven't purchased it yet. But it would still be a. P- I still think it'll be a PS4 copy 
that, like you said. Yeah, they're not going to buy a PS5 version. No, it's not going to be like The Last of Us where they, you know, because because they're going to be so, in my mind, they're going to try to be so connected now between the console generations that there's not going to be a need to buy a PS5 copy of God of War. I could be wrong. Uh, I mean... I mean, the game looks pretty enough as it is. If you, you know, if you add a PS5 gloss over it, it's just only going to look better. But the, I don't imagine them building it from the ground up because how one, how yeah. recent it came out, and yeah, I mean, I think the only the only times you're going to see a God of War, like, or sorry, a PS5 remastered game, I, I don't really, I don't even think that's going to happen anymore. Um, no. Maybe the no, I was gonna say maybe The Last of Us again because even the PS4 copy of it kind of uh, looks a little. Of course, he he brought up your argument when he's like, well, uh, you know, it, PS3 wasn't or, or PS4 wasn't backwards compatible with PS3, and you don't have PS3 games, you know, they're all getting remastered. I was like, well, yeah, but that was a different architecture. Yeah, if, it was built. And he was like, well, yeah, we we don't have. Well, no, I mean, it's fun. It was. Um, I mean, I did have that argument, like, you know, but after seeing the specs and, and stuff like, and the things that they're hoping for, you know, every year, every time a new console comes out, it's like, it makes no sense for them not to do it. But I think there's a really valid argument of being, uh, how often do you really play those games? Uh, like, I, even if God of War comes out again, or regardless if it's really released or gets a patch, like, I'll probably... If it's a patch, I'll probably boot it up just to see how pretty it is. But am I going to play that again? I don't yeah. know. Um, Horizon, same thing. Last of Us, you know, same thing. I'm, you know, I'm ready to move forward. Sure. So. All right. Well, it's just a little side tangent there. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, coming coming to the PS4 with the official release date is EA Access. This is from Oscar Deus at GameSpot. Uh, EA Access was recently announced for PS4, ending its Xbox One exclusivity. Now, EA has finally confirmed the date is it, the date its subscription service will come to Sony's flagship console, July 24th. EA Access costs $30 for a year or $5 per month. Uh, the primary benefit of being a, a subscriber is the unlimited access to an Xbox Game Pass-style library of games known as The Vault for games such as Titanfall 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and FIFA 18. Battlefield 5 also made its way to the EA Access Vault recently. These games are downloaded, not streamed, and can be played in their entirety, although they don't necessarily include all available DLC. Subscribers also get a 10% discount on all digital EA games, as well as their respective expansions and in-game purchases. Members can also take advantage of EA Access Play First trials, which typically give you 10 hours of early access to new EA titles prior to their official release. Sony. So this, I was going to say, this answers our question we had last time about uh, EA Access. Is, is it just a demo service? Right. And it's not. They, ha- they have the vault of games you can play, and new games, mm-hmm. you get the 10 hours of early access. Exactly, exactly. Uh, demo. Uh, Sony, allowing, yeah. Sony allowing EA Access on PS4 represents quite a change in stance. The company blocked EA from launching the service on PlayStation in 2014, saying it had evaluated the EA Access subscription offering and decided that it does not bring the kind of value PlayStation consumers have come to expect. 
the company that has not explained the company has not explained its recent change of heart. A PC version of the service known as Origin Access is also available, although all three versions operate independently of each other. Elsewhere, a free PS Plus, the free PS Plus games for July 29th, oh, well, were announced recently. The PS4 games available at no extra cost for PlayStation Plus members next month will be PES 2019 and Horizon Chase Turbo. So that was kind of a terrible. Well, uh, regardless of the rest of the article, <laughs> the PS Plus games are are a soccer game and a and toy car racing a weird game. toy car racer. A terrible PS Plus offering. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably terrible. play Horizon. One Chase of the worst Turbo. we've had in a while. That's true. Um, though I don't know this. The, the what was it? The the spur the the surge. The surge and uh, I, I, people were talking positively about. Isn't it a horror game? Yeah. I think so, which is why I haven't played it. But right, I've heard positive things about it. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm excited that it's we finally have access to it. I don't have money for it, so I'm not going to participate. Um, so, no. um, but I'm glad that it's there. I, you know, at this point, it's just kind of like anything else. It's just give me a, a catch-all price for all of the services. Yeah. Pay 120 and, bucks a year. I mean, you can you can see Sony probably changed its tune one because they don't have anything to offer on ps plus and two uh, ea access has probably got more stuff on it now Mm -hmm. like it's it's probably a a more well-rounded service than it was in 2014 right um i mean and and that was that was five years ago and they're really trying to catch up on those consumer friendly services you know xbox has been doing it so well and they've been so known for being like eh, that you know doing this you know allowing the cross-platform play and stuff like that i think will they're just trying to patch and they're kind of doing it quietly they're not making huge announcements like hey guys guess what we're finally catching up it's kind of like because it's kind of like the apple thing this is a tangent but it makes sense in my brain apple thing saying you know we're finally you know we're doing the swipe keyboard now and it's like well that's been a thing but they made a big announcement of it like it's the first time they've ever heard of it and so like Sony doing, you know, doing it. It's a press release. It's something important for people to know about, but they're not trying to pawn it off like it's the first thing time they've ever heard of it. Uh, so they're playing catch up in small ways so that I think when PS5 comes out, they can be like, guess what? You've been wanting it for seven years. We're finally doing it. You know, we're finally doing this. We're finally doing that. Um, right. So even when they don't need to, but. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Google Stadia exclusives aim to be as uh, aim to be as much fun to watch as they are to play. This is by, by uh, Matt Perslow at IGN. Uh, Google's vice president for Stadia, Phil Harrison, has elaborated on the kind of exclusive games players will see running on the upcoming video game streaming platform. Um, talking to IGN and other journal- journalists at a roundtable event at Google's UK offices. Uh, Harrison said, uh, quote, an innovation that we want to bring uh, to bear is games that are as much, as fun to watch as they are to play. Uh, that may e- uh, that may be even that may be even introduced a new way. games. Yeah, that was a poorly word. worded. Yeah. Uh, maybe he said it in a better that way. Maybe even introducing. Yeah, that may be even introduce. Yeah. OK. Anyway. Um, most of the games we play today are measured in button press, presses per second. Uh, watching a YouTube video is a 
is button presses per minute. And maybe there's something in between, which is allowing the less engaged gamer to have as much fun being a part of a game, but maybe they have a slightly different viewpoint on the world. Maybe they have a more strategic view. <clears throat> Google have previously detailed how Stadia bridges the gap between playing and watching video games, and Harrison used Ghost Recon Breakpoint as an example to reiterate the company's plans. Uh, if you look at Ghost Recon Breakpoint, it has a, an, a, this amazing Stream Connect feature where you can see what your friends are seeing in the game superimposed inside the game. A, a gameception. <laughs> um, those are our first examples of innovations that, that will, over time, mean that, that streaming games will have these advantages that players will gravitate towards. Uh Breakpoint is an example of Stadia's capabilities being f fitted into an existing game built for traditional consoles as well as Google's streaming platform. So it'll be interesting to see what a, wholly, a game wholly designed for Stadia could look like. Uh, Harrison emphasizes that Google is still interested in the idea of vast open-world games in the mold of Assassin's Creed, but seeing how something like that could be created with Stream Connect features as a baseline rather than an addition would be fascinating. I agree. I th You know when they when we first watched the original you know the release information about how different uh games on Sadia could be i was initially like immediately just thought about like what like doing quote unquote split screen without sacrificing fidelity or anything like that like creating whole images and whole you know, and all the power to support the images without having to split the power. So, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like, uh, what we potentially think of Marvel's Avengers being like, how awesome, and I have no idea if this is how it would be, but how awesome would it be? Like you're iron or you're a, a ground fighter, like, uh, widow, black widow. And you're doing stuff like that, doing stuff on the ground. And then we're playing the same game like Destiny or whatever, and I'm up in the sky as Iron Man, seeing what you're doing on the ground, and like, you know, and, and participating that way, which doesn't isn't something that has to be exclusive to a Stadia program, because uh, you know you can sort of do that in games like Destiny right and stuff right now, but I feel like like there's. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is a whole lot of opportunity for people to think outside the box when they don't have to worry about the power to provide it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it's like what I said with, you know, spider with uh, star Wars, it's like, I'm excited for them to think about things that I wouldn't think about. Yeah. Like, cause that's just not, I don't think outside the box in that way, but they do like, I didn't know what I needed until, I saw it, and so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that will play out for Google, it, it, you know, for their exclusive titles. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and our last news story for the day: uh, Cyberpunk 2077 should require 80 gigabytes on PS4 for 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 4K 4K confirmed for Xbox One X by the author Virgil on GamePressure.com. Cyberpunk 2077 can be pre-ordered on PlayStation Store and Microsoft Store, which led us to learn 
that the PlayStation 4 version of the game will likely require at least 80 gigabytes of disk space available, uh, 13 gigabytes more than the already bulky Days Gone. However, I did look this up. This is me. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 was 88 gigabytes. Um, and also, if you hear those sirens there in L.A., um, that... Uh, <laughs> And the Xbox One version will attempt to take full advantage of this platform's unique capabilities. Owners of the, quote, most powerful console in the world should be able to run the game in 4K. It's not quite clear yet how Cyberpunk 2077 will utilize the extra power of PS4 Pro or how much space the Xbox One version will require. How good the game will look on Sony and Microsoft and Sony platforms remains an interesting question for the time being. The owners of these consoles shouldn't fret. However, the developers emphasized last year that ensuring optimization was something CD Projekt Red had been keeping in mind since the onset of the entire project. Another matter is that so far only the PC versions of the games were presented and that the demo prepared for this year's E3 ran on a very powerful PC. Although Cyberpunk 2077 is still largely a mystery, we have witnessed in recent weeks a real flood of information regarding its production, including Keanu Reeves, the price and content of individual editions, details of morality and romance mechanics, and some details for the above-mentioned demo shown behind closed doors. Today, PS4 owners gained access to a free theme from the game, which is cool, I didn't know that. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is slated to release on April 16th, 2020. So, yeah. Um, big game. Big game. <clears throat> Not as big as Red Dead, but still pretty massive. Yeah. Uh, I think it also probably speaks to the component of the fact that it doesn't have multiplayer. That's probably what a you know big part of Red Dead's is. Yeah. Um, uh, fun fact. So that's uh, the who. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, he's not just a, a bit side part either. Uh, he's got the second most lines in the game. Oh, wow, that's cool. Uh, he's apparently been involved with it for over a year. I think that's it. That's all I know about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the who, what, and the where. Um, yeah, did you want to talk about anything you've been playing? I haven't been playing a whole lot uh, like you. Um, I did uh, break down. There was a you know huge PlayStation uh, PS Plus fire sale or something going on, the Days of Play. And I saw that they had the uh, Spyro trilogy and the Crash trilogy, like combined for for sale. So like all together, they were like forty bucks or thirty five bucks or something. So awesome! I went on and got I picked up picked that up and uh, played the first island of uh, Crash Bandicoot, and it's just just like you remember or I remember it. <laughs> very good, very fun. Um, <laughs> other than that. Uh, I don't think I've gotten to play much else. I've watched Chuck. I started watching Chuck. That was what I did. I just watched the pilot the, ah. yesterday. So, yeah. It's good. It's good. Um, I'm interested to see how it, how it goes. It's definitely a product of whatever year it came out of. Oh, but, yeah. 2007 is Monster of the Week kind of deal. Was um, it 2007? The computer yeah. looked like it was from 1995. No, it was, it was 2007. And... um. Now it might no it was I think it was based around then too, um, but uh, what is going on? Something bad is happening <laughs> around me somewhere. Take shelter, Nick. Yeah. Um, but I I will say that I think Zachary Levi's character would have been he he does a very good job 
with it. Um, I also think Zach Braff could have done his that that probably role. Um, I, what I think is interesting is that he does not look like Zachary, Zachary Levi. Levi. <laughs> uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Is you know we're late to the party anyway, so yeah. Um, I watched, like I said, I watched the new Spider-Man movie and it was really good. Um, and uh, I watched Little Miss Sunshine, which is an old road trip movie. I'm writing a road trip movie right now, uh, and so I was doing it for some research. Um, and it was it was pretty good. Um, also watched another movie with Keanu Reeves in it called uh always be my maybe which you watched that chick flick i did um and it was good and keanu reeves was in it for maybe 20 minutes and he played a a giant dick not like actually but he was in the movie he was playing himself and he was a giant dick and um which i thought was really amusing because he he was like so passionate yeah he was just like so he was kind of like holistic and hippie it was just kind of like, like you just gotta. Oh my god, S- something's going on, and I have no idea what it is. Anyway, you might want to uh, check your uh, like a crime app or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, but that's it. Uh, we're gonna go through the out this week, and then we will be out of here All for right. this week. Um. So, coming out July second. Uh, Apex Legends Season 2 comes to PS4, PS, P, sorry, PS4, PC, and Xbox One. Also, Final Fantasy XIV Online Shadowbringers DLC comes to PC and PS4 on July 2nd. Uh, Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered Edition comes to Switch on July 2nd. Uh, Just Cause 4 Los Demonios DLC comes to PC, PS4, and Xbox One on July 3rd. Stranger Things 3 The Game comes to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on July 4th. Is there Wonder even, Blade. Like, three seasons of Stranger Things? Yeah, it just I think it's about to come out. Oh, okay. Season 3. Um, Wonder Blade Wonder comes, Blade. To P- comes to PC on July 4th. Attack on Titan 2 Final Battle comes to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on July 5th. Sea of Solitude. Oh, that's finally coming out. Uh, PC, PS4, and Xbox One comes on July 5th. That was the game. I think it was a EA um, in, indie EA game. Um, it looked kind of interesting. It looks you know sad, but and then they are billions comes to Xbox One on July fifth, and that's the show. Uh, so remember, uh, Where Gaming Weekly posts every week on YouTube.com and on podcast services, and you can find out more about us at WhereGaming.com. You can tweet to the show at WearGaming underscore. You can tweet at me at where speak Nicklish. And you can tweet to me at Jaws1015. And until next week, say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Nick. <laughs>